All right, welcome on into the Wolverine.com Signing Day Live edition, our podcast. Thank you to all the people watching. They're starting to file in now on our YouTube channel. Go ahead and give us a like there. Subscribe to the channel as well for more content. EJ had, what, 10, 15 videos today with uh, yourself <laughs> interviewing different signees. So those are fantastic. Go check those out on the site. We also had Zach Libby, who was live at Jair Hill, four-star signees. Uh, ceremony today so uh, go get all that content also join us at the wolverine.com ten dollars gets you premium access until next football season the 2023 season so really uh, these guys that signed today will be michigan wolverines full uh full go uh heading into the 2023 season so go and do that thank you to all the people in the comments already we got kicking chicken says let's go blue Uh, We'll take some super chats, but we're mostly just going to discuss the Michigan signing class. 2023 class so far uh, is in the books for early signing day. Michigan with a couple targets to go. And EJ, we can mention that as well. I know you've talked a lot about it, Um, but it's been a busy day. Michigan sits at 18th in the national rankings, uh, as the YouTube viewers can see there. Um, You know, a little better than where things were hovering most of the cycle. Uh, EJ, I'll throw it to you just for, you know, kind of overall thoughts on this class and and what happened today. Because Michigan added a couple guys in four-star receiver Carmelo English. And as we mentioned, four-star corner Jair Hill, who didn't have Michigan in his top five, but uh, was maybe doing a little bit of a uh, troll job there. And the Wolverines end up uh, on top. Yeah, I mean, it could have been worse for as much as, you know, the fans complain on the board and even myself calling it more of a disappointing class. I mean, they did close with English who is a top 200 player on the consensus. They closed with Jair Hill, who's a top 200 player on the consensus as well. So those were two major late additions and you look ahead at the late period and there's still a couple of guys out there. Five-star athlete, Nicholas Harbor is still out there. If Michigan can manage to, Add him, I mean, they could slowly creep into the top 15. There's still Jamel Howard out there. There's a a couple other guys that Michigan is tracking as well. So there's still time in the late period for maybe a few more additions to bolster that ranking. Look, overall, the class isn't amazing. You know, there isn't a lot of top-end talent. Michigan only has one top 150 signee. Um, according to the consensus, and that is Edo Edo, only four top 200 signees uh, with Jair Hill, Carmelo English, and Cole Cabana all being ranked between 190 and 200. So it, it's definitely interesting. I think, Clay, you are the more of the historian than I am, but this is the lowest ranked class that Jim Harbaugh has had since 2018, correct? So that's correct. Yeah, and it was in jeopardy when they were hovering around 25 of being the worst class his worst full cycle. They finished 40th during his first cycle. But again, that was back when the late signing day was a thing. And he had just been on campus for about a month before they signed those guys. So um, I will say this about the class though, too, like 2018, they finished 22nd. um, And you know, that wasn't great, but those 2018 guys were seniors last year when Michigan won the big 10 championship for the first time since 2017, there were guys in there like Aiden Hutchinson uh, and, and others. His class really laid that foundation um for some success and really the success michigan's still having right now so it's not all doom and gloom just because they're finishing around here at the same time you you would have loved to finish higher um but i think it's worth noting as well but yeah you're right uh if things hold this will be the lowest class since the 2018 hall i think it's important to note that 
it's a little more disappointing because of circumstances, right? Yes. Because Michigan's coming off back to back college football playoff appearances. You know, they're coming off back to back Big Ten titles. You're supposed to have a lot of momentum when you do that on the recruiting trail. You're supposed to have top 10, top five recruiting classes. Top five was the expectation heading into the cycle before you had the NIL stuff pop up, Jim Harbaugh's NFL rumors, the staff changes, et cetera. So I think uh, there were a lot of factors, obviously, with NIL being a big one that contributed to the class being ranked this low. But when you look at it, big picture, if you, which you shouldn't, I mean, you should look at it as, yeah, Michigan disappointed by not getting a top 10 class after back-to-back college football playoff appearances. But if you look at the class as a whole, like you said, 2018, I wasn't around for that class, but obviously it had a lot of key contributors. And when I was doing my own rankings yesterday in preparation to release those on the Wolverines, I always rank the signees, give them my own grades and do a, a little bit of a, a deep dive into the signees. Um, there are a lot of guys that you're like, high three-star, low four-star, high three-star, low four-star that could turn into guys. I mean, you scroll down the list, um, and there's guys like uh, Zach Marshall that a lot of people don't know about a lot about. That's way out in California. Uh, you have Deacon Tonielli, another tight end, and Michigan just does so well with those tight end kids. You have Cameron Calhoun, who was the Under Armour defensive back MVP at, at the camp in Ohio, where he shut down some of the best talent in the Midwest. You have Samaj Morgan, who might not be the biggest guy, but man, he has the biggest heart out there, and he's a, a big Swiss Army knife. You know, I think he can be a slide. He could be a nickel. Uh, he could very much be like Saner still. So I feel like there are a lot of guys that are also underranked. You have uh, Frederick Moore here that's pulling up who had a monster senior season. Again, kind of on that border, high three-star, low four-star. Jason Hewlett, same thing. I think he's one of the biggest underrated gems in the class. Roderick Pierce, same thing. Nathan Aphobia's rankings vary all over the place. I mean, there's just so many. They got The list goes on and on. And the thing about Michigan is they do such a tremendous job of developing talent. So if you have a lot of borderline guys that are high threes, low fours, there's a decent chance that Ben Herbert in the strength and conditioning program is going to develop them physically. And there's a decent chance that Jim Harbaugh and, our, and the staff are going to develop them on the field. So I feel like going to Michigan helps guys that are kind of in that fringe area that could be really, really good players. And you saw that, you know, a similar example when I did the rankings, um, I guess it was last cycle was Rod Moore. He was right in that area and Michigan was able to maximize his potential, uh, you know, they, and they do a great job of identifying talent as well. So there are some guys in this class that I'm just not super high on that. I just don't see it with, but there are a lot of guys that if Mich Michigan can maximize them, you know, they could resemble that 2018 class. No doubt. Um, evaluations have always been really strong on, you know, not just this staff, but all Jim Harbaugh, coach teams uh, and then development's been huge as well. And not to draw too many parallels between the 2018 class, but just flipping through some of the names here. I mean, you did have Aiden Hutchinson, who was nearly a hundred top hundred prospect, but you also had guys like Jalen Mayfield, Ryan Hayes, Jamon Green, Taylor Upshaw. I mean, these are all guys that have made big impacts and a lot of them still making big impacts here. Vince Gray, Mike Barrett uh, and how, how well he's played this season. So uh, Michigan's done well with these types of guys, but um Let's move on a little bit. I want to talk about a few individual guys. Let's talk about the guys at the top of this class because uh, there are some guys that I think, you know, maybe they won't impact in a big way next season, but 
Uh, there are going to be some guys that burn the red shirts. There are going to be some guys that play some key snaps or a key role or a guy that comes out of nowhere on this team. Rod Moore is a guy that that comes to mind, even as a guy who came in in the summer last year and then made an impact late in his freshman season. But EJ, who would your top three uh, or so signees be in this class? And, uh, and why should Michigan fans be excited about those guys? Yeah, definitely. Before we uh, dive into that, I want to remind you guys, you can do a super chat. We're not taking regular questions in the box for those that are joining. I see we have a lot more viewers than when we started. So um, we're only taking super chats since we're, this is more of the structured signing day recap show. Hope you guys enjoyed the noon show, despite some weird headphone issues I was having. Uh, but we'll be back next week with the the regular shows but this is the uh the straight podcast so if you want a question answered you do have to super chat and that money does go towards our travel both for recruiting and for team purposes so clay can enjoy his time at the fiesta bowl eating tacos but um now to answer clay's questions you know guys that are at the top of my list individually i mean the list starts with jair hill he's been one of my favorite prospects and i since i had a chance to see him uh, back when he was a junior, Michigan first offered him, you know, I was living in Chicago and made the short drive down uh, to the south side where where he was playing. Um, and he was super explosive on the offensive side of the ball, uh, took a wildcat quarterback snap and, and dashed 60 yards for a touchdown. And I was like, wow. And like that one play was like, man, I love Jair Hill. Uh, also had a punt return for a touchdown, made several plays on defense. He was so fun to watch that I went back and saw him again later that fall just because I loved his game overall. And it, it was definitely quite the wild ride to follow him throughout the last year and a half. You know, that recruitment had a lot of twists and turns between Michigan and Illinois and here even down the stretch, Michigan being left out of the top five graphic. But, you know, for all that drama, Jair Hill is a ball player, man. He's a ball hawk in the secondary, a uh, guy that played a lot of safety at Kankakee, more so so he could roam around and make plays. Uh, he has great natural instincts, makes great plays on the ball, uh, loves to come downhill and smack people. So he's going to be a very willing tackler at the corner spot. He has that height and length that you desire, six foot two and a half, 185 pounds with a really thin frame, has a chance to bulk up and add some good muscle mass, runs a 10, 8, 7, 100 meter. That was actually uh, ran as a junior, so he's even faster now. I would have been expecting him to run in the 10, 7s, especially uh, with how seriously he takes track. He led Kankakee to the state track meet in multiple events um last year as a junior so he has that size he has that speed i think he's a perfect complement to a guy like a will johnson who's a, a bigger thicker corner that's more of an elite technician i think jair is more of a raw athlete that that brings a little more um athleticism than will but obviously will being such a stud as a freshman he can't get better technique and just overall physicality than will but they they're styles just complement each other so well it would be awesome to see Jair on one side and Will on the other side as two young elite level cornerbacks you know if Michigan does lose DJ Turner and Jamon Green that leaves Will as the only guy with experience um with true game experience so I think Jair would have a chance you know barring an addition from the portal to potentially start as a true freshman. So uh, Jair is my number one guy. The other guys that are, are high on my list, um, Evan Link, love Evan Link, man. I think he's really undervalued. He's only ranked like in the 
top 275 to 300 range on the consensus, but he had a dominant offensive line performance when I saw him in game this year, did really, really well against five-star athlete Nicholas Harbour, who was uh, serving as a pass rusher in that game. And, and you see on three has him ranked pretty appropriately as the number 134 overall prospect. And it was kind of the same thing. When I went out to see Zach Zinter, for example, his in-game was so dominant that I was like, man, there's no way Zach Zinter is not like a top 100 prospect. Um, Evan Link's not quite at Zinter's level from that perspective, but I, he's, he's pretty close. He's one of the best uh, offensive linemen I've evaluated in my decade long time of doing this from an in-game perspective. He's super impressive. Technically um, he's a really high IQ guy. He understands what defenses are trying to do. He plays at a really high level in the DMV, one of the strongest leagues nationally. Um, so he goes up against division one level guys all the time. You know, I mentioned him going up against Harbor also went up against Jason Moore and guys like that. So I think that Evan Link, when you look at his frame, he's six, six, two ninety. He can play left tackle or right tackle he has a really, uh, nice lower half. He can still add some muscle mass and weight to his upper half. I think once Ben Herbert gets his hands on him, he'll turn him into a monster, um, elite and pass pro, uh, run blocking. He, he, Blocks with a nasty streak, which you don't often see from guys that are more pure pass pro tackles, but he loves to mix it up in the run game and bury people. And that's something that really just stood out to me, man. He was just absolutely killing guys on down blocks and just loving punishing guys. And it's so different from his personality off the field because he's really quiet, smart kid, wants to major in engineering, like a, a perfect student in the classroom. So I think Evan Link is a great fit at Michigan. And then lastly, Enoetta. Um, being the uh, second highest on the consensus, um, just a guy that was dominant against uh, lower level competition in Texas, uh, did everything he was supposed to do. Yeah, I think he had like 150 tackles and like some insane like 20 sacks or something. But when I saw him live, I mean, it was like unfair. He was just ragdolling kids. He's six foot five, 260 pounds, so he already has the physical look. I'm not sure how much else you know his body will shape out i think that you know from a physical standpoint he's ready to go i still think he's a little raw technically he's only been playing football for like three years so there's still some things he can develop in that regard just pass rushing moves hand placement things like that but he's great at pinning his ears and getting after the quarterback he's already developed a really good relationship with mike morris who you know probably won't be on the roster but you know still just having him as a little bit of a mentor as he transitions to college i think will definitely help and i, I think he's a similar type of player and he's going to develop really well under Mike Elston. But yeah, I think those are the guys that would be the three at the top of the board. Um, but I, I would say, and you look at Etta in these highlights, it's just funny to watch him. He's so fast at that size too. Uh, Should have scored, I know. But um, no, I mean, the other guys that definitely stand out as well that you could make an argument for, Carmelo English, who was a great late ad today. I think he can be a difference maker in the slaughter out wide. And then Cole Cabana, 10.55, 100-meter speed. He's going to see time as a true freshman, whether it's in the backfield competing for RB2 touches with CJ Stokes or lining up in the slot or out wide or as a return man, there's so much you can do with a guy that that's, that's that fast. No doubt. Um, I want to ask you, we'll go inside Jair Hills recruitment <laughs> a little bit here in a second, but I will talk about Cole Cabana just for a minute because 
I was out there today at Dexter at his signing ceremony and <clears throat> uh, talking to Cole, he definitely feels like, you know, he's going to be able to impact early and he will actually be on campus, him and some of the other freshmen that are, are not only enrolling early, but arriving early. Uh, in addition, he's going to be, they're going to be staying in hotel rooms over the next few days, joining the team for practice. And he will actually be making the trip down to Arizona for the Fiesta Bowl, they'd potentially be able to go to the national title game as well. So they're excited for that. Um, but he watches Donovan Edwards, he says, and sees what he's able to do, catching the ball out of the backfield, but also lining up out wide, uh, now becoming a feature running back with Blake Corum out for the season with an injury. And he feels like uh, his game is really similar, you know, in, in terms of being versatile and being able to do different things out of the backfield. So uh, he called it a running back's dream to play under Mike Hart. And, and to play for Michigan in this system, he likes how much they run the ball, uh, as any running back should, which makes it a little more surprising that they haven't done a little better in running back recruiting. But uh, excited to watch Cole, I think, in this class. Um, you know, kind of one of those guys that seems like a leader as well in the class. Um, so so definitely, you know, a guy that we could see on the field next year. Like you said, find him, find a way, right? Um so let's go inside the Jair Hill recruitment, though, EJ, because it's been a weird one. I mean, some people were talking, our Chris Ballas over on the Wolverine.com message board was saying, hey, what's your favorite signing day memory to all the people out there? And there are a lot of people out there that have been following recruiting since they had to call the 900 name numbers or whatever. And, you know, and some people in that thread were saying, this Jair Hill one, if we get him, might be my favorite because it's crazy. Uh, these days you see him, what, two days ago, put out a top five. And he says, I don't remember all the schools, but, you know, Purdue, Illinois, Missouri was in there, Kentucky, and, and maybe one more, not Michigan, who was considered the leader. I mean, you had a pick in for him, I believe, there. Um, just tell us what happened. How did this go down? Because as you mentioned earlier, you were on the air earlier at noon, uh, but that was before this thing wrapped up. And uh, now Jair Hill is in the fold. <laughs> yeah, I definitely wouldn't say it's as crazy as the uh, Xavier Worthy recruitment, which uh, no, that's sure true. brings back painful but, memories. But, but the topic <laughs> there was best memory. Yeah, and, best, not, that wasn't a best memory, but it, it was a memory. Pulling over and Pawpaw to get gas and having the uh, Dudek early enrollment fiasco to Gaddis and the moms and all types of stuff we don't get, need to get into. Let's go to some good memories. Let's go with Jair Hill. Um, no, man. I mean, look, it was a really weird recruitment in the sense that Jair Hill was projected to Michigan very early, even when I first saw him. Um as a junior, uh, actually, Courtney Morgan, Michigan's old director of recruiting, was on him really early, as was Ron Bellamy, since Ron Bellamy was a safeties coach at that time. And he developed great relationships with those guys right off the bat. Of course, Bellamy moved over to wide receivers, and, and then you had Courtney Morgan head off to Washington, and uh, you had Harbaugh with the NFL flirtation. So I think that allowed other schools to to get in the mix. And primarily Illinois, his mother always had an affinity Uh for Illinois. I was going to make another joke, but I, I decided not to since we're talking about moms, but we'll, we'll keep it low key here. Um, <laughs> but I think that uh, his mother just really enjoyed uh, the Illinois staff, as did Jair. I, when, when you had that gap of the staff transition, I think that Illinois took advantage. Brett Bielema did a great job of building a personal connection with Jair and his mom, Ryan Walters. Illinois' former defensive coordinator did a great job as well. So 
from I want to say March to or February all the way till late November. It kind of just seesawed back and forth. There was even a point in the summer where Michigan had him in for an official visit. And I remember one of the program sources texting me and saying, yeah, it's just not going our way. Like they just weren't feeling it. And then, you know, a month later it was like, oh, we're back in it with Jair Hill. So it just kind of seesawed back and forth between those two schools. I think late November when he came back for the visit against Illinois is when I knew that that Michigan had regained momentum and was trending back in the right way. And I always felt like Jair personally liked the Michigan program better. I think there was just some stumbles with that staff movement early on and Illinois being close to home and having his mom's preference, I think, played a big role there. I mean, even when I saw Jair in October, which is originally when he was supposed to make his decision, he told me, hey, it's heated in my household. You know, my parents are split on Michigan and Illinois. And so I just felt like he was a Michigan kid from the get go. Um, and I, I thought the November visit, he just connected. Well, that was the first time that I think he really started to feel the family environment at Michigan. He was like, all right, I really do like Clink. I can see myself playing for this guy. Or, uh, Jim Harbaugh, really, when he talks about family, like he really means that. And Denard Robinson got involved in the recruitment late and really played a huge role there too. Um, so I put in a prediction for Michigan at that point. That's why I wasn't really involved with the predictions late. Um, but I put it put one in on that visit weekend. I thought they hit a home run there. And I think Jim Harbaugh 100% sealed the deal on his in-home visit a couple of weeks ago. I think he was finally able to win over mom and, and do a great job with the family. Um, but yeah, I mean, heading into this week's graphic fiasco, uh, Jair had told me when I stopped by to see him uh, on my most recent trip to to Illinois, he told me that he wanted to do something big. Like, I think his initial, I mean, I might as well just say it now because it's, it's over, but his initial plan was to have, no, his initial plan was to have a set of hats where one wasn't going to be the school that he picked. So let's just call it Michigan. And he was going to have his cousin come running into the gym doing cartwheels to hand him the hat. So I already had an idea that he was doing something weird. And Jair's always been a character. So, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people were were dogging him for that, uh, for, t for having such a wild recruitment with the top five graphic, not including Michigan. But look, man, we're like in an age of recruiting where all these recruitments get spoiled with the crystal ball predictions and stuff. And, you know, I, I think that it, it added a good element. I mean, it's it's what signing day is about. Signing day is still about the kids having fun. And so let Jair have fun and have that big video screen and Jim Harbaugh talking about knives and stuff. It was great. 100%. In hindsight, since it went Michigan's way, I don't think there are that many Michigan fans that are, <laughs> you know, that care anymore. I think they'll probably look back on it fondly, like, hey, remember when we didn't make Jair Hill's top five? Um, but, yeah, it could have gone the other way. There were, I mean, you know, you, you know how fan bases can get. And that's why, you know, it is fun, uh, signing day and, and all this stuff, and really college football, because people care in a rational amount, including myself. Uh, and that's why we work in this in this business here because we we love it. So, um, take me through the Carmelo English recruitment real quick as well, and then I want to ask you about some coaches and how they did on the trail this cycle. Uh, but Carmelo English, four star wide receiver out of Alabama, he commits and signs earlier on in the day, uh, and a really big win for Michigan. Who you know you talked about Fred Moore being a little underrated. 
uh, Samaj Morgan being a guy who, man, he's got the biggest heart, right? He's going to be able to do some things in his college career. But now you're getting a little bit more of a high, higher ranked guy. And uh, Ron Bellamy, you know, he's we know he's a stud on the recruiting trail, but he gets it done again. And remember, it was a year ago, almost to the day when Darius Clemens was reeled in by Ron Bellamy late as well. So he kind of has that, uh, you know, that touch, it seems like when it comes to uh, striking a chord late. Yeah, no, and and Ron Bellamy, obviously being from Louisiana, he connects really well with kids down south. Let's just fast forward to the end of this recruitment. Uh, it was 50-50 with Kentucky going into um, this week. And Kentucky's big pitch was having an NIL package ready to go. And that's why you saw some Kentucky writers express some confidence. But um, and I said this a few days before uh, when I said English wasn't visiting this weekend because originally he was supposed to come back for another unofficial visit after visiting for the Penn State game. And I said, I still think Carmelo likes Michigan more than Kentucky. And one of our readers said, are you sure you're not reading it wrong because he's not visiting? And I was like, no, I feel like he does like Michigan more. He had the relationships with Ron Bellamy. He really vibed well with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I heard the in-home visit was terrific with him and his family. It was kind of low-key. Carmelo didn't really post any photos of him and Harbaugh or anything, but I, I heard that that visit was great as well. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, NIL isn't enough to move the needle with every single prospect. Carmelo saw uh, the relationships, the family atmosphere at Michigan, the, the potential to make an immediate impact in an offense that's opening up with J.J. McCarthy as quarterback. He um, can see a, a chance to, to, again, play early, to get into the slot, to get on the outside. He's a guy that's kind of a, a dynamite playmaker and a little different than what the, the receivers are on the roster right now. Um, so I thought Bellamy did a fantastic job late. I thought Jim Harbaugh did a fantastic job late. And, uh, you know, Carmelo in, informed the staffs yesterday and Michigan was the pick. And so I think uh, Carmelo is one of the best lands in the class. You know, he's only 5'11", 180, but you can see from the clips here, he just kind of plays bigger, kind of similar to Samaj Morgan. They just uh, have a great catch radius. They're guys with excellent athleticism and body control. They can go up and over guys. So yeah, I really like the Carmelo English land and it was a, a great way for Michigan to start off national signing day today. So maybe our last topic. Um, but as I alluded to, like it, it's always kind of one of those storylines as well. Like Ron Bellamy was kind of the guy that's able to get Carmelo English here. You know, you look at Sharon Moore, it didn't look great for for offensive line recruiting at one point in this cycle, but then he figures it out. And Evan Link is one of your top guys in this class. I mean, those are just a couple. Uh, Clink is able to uh, you hear him on the FaceTime call. You can watch the uh, FaceTime call, by the way, between Clink, Jim Harbaugh and Jair Hill and his family at the signing day ceremony on our YouTube channel. Zach Libby was there and posted it about an hour ago. But, you know, Clink is able to get that big fish late. Um if we had a recruiting of the year award over at the Wolverine.com, which maybe we should create, who would you give it to this cycle? And I guess what, what coaches stood out to you? Well, we did do our superlatives, which will run a little later, but uh, Zach Libby picked Clink, which is a good pick, obviously landing my favorite guy in Jair Hill. Clink was also, you know, responsible for getting the Ohio movement going getting you know Cameron Calhoun on board uh Jason Hewlett who 
like I said earlier, is a real hidden gem. I have him ranked as a four-star. Most of the services have him ranked as a three-star. I think he's a big steal for Michigan. Um, you have uh, DJ Waller and Breon Ishmael that are two other underrated guys. So, again, Clank kind of building that bridge in Ohio and also landing Hill. Um, but I, I think you – to me, the most impressive recruiting job this cycle, and, and you can mention Bellamy too, obviously, finding Frederick Moore, who had a terrific senior season, get landing one of the biggest playmakers in the state of Michigan and Samaj Morgan, and then obviously rounding that out with Carmelo English and, and having a hand uh, in Jair still from that early relationship as well. But to me, the most impressive recruiting job was Sharon Moore. I, I know a lot of people won't agree with that take, but here's why. Sharon Moore had a newborn child. He was he transitioned from coaching tight ends to offensive line just last year. Uh, so this was a second year coaching offensive line, which is already a big responsibility in itself. Then he got co-offensive coordinator responsibilities as well. So he had a ton on his plate early on from a personal standpoint and from an on-the-field standpoint as well. It's hard to be the co-offensive coordinator an elite recruiter and the offensive line coach. And so everybody and a a newborn dad and everybody was ragging on coach Moore. He lost his touch. He lost his touch, whatever this dude goes out and nobody even considered Michigan a true player for Evan link. And he beat out Stanford and Penn state for link. He landed Amir Herring, who's one of the better recruits in this cycle. Consensus four-star, I think, is one of the more undervalued kids in the class as well. Uh, went down to Georgia, pulled Nathan Afobi, who on three has ranked as a top 150 kid nationally. Big uh, upside kid there as well. Then he goes into the portal and he pour, pulls two big guys, including a, a former five-star, Miles Hint. So uh, I think... The job Sharon Moore did on the recruiting trail, as well as the portal, as well as winning the Joe Moore Award while being the co-offensive coordinator and having a zero-year-old baby. I mean, he did the best job, like considering circumstances and it being a down cycle and and the flack he got early on. I mean, for him to rebound the way he did, if if we're going to include portal, which I'll give to him, considering the guys he landed with Nugent and and Hinton, I mean, those are two great additions. So I thought Sharon Moore uh, really stood out and he's, you know, proving that he's a little bit of an an anomaly being a co-offensive coordinator, elite recruiter and offensive line coach. It's super, super impressive. And he also landed Ladarius Henderson. It was the first transfer. Yeah, Ladar- Jeez, don't even remember that. Exactly. I know there's so many that you forgot one uh, who I think may start at left tackle for Michigan next year and was all Pac-12 performer at Arizona State. Um, so a great addition there. And he feels uh, to be a good culture fit too. I kind of like, like you talked about Evan Link where he's like the nicest guy off the field, but he's like nasty on the field. That is the personality, it seems like, of a lot of the Michigan offensive linemen right now. And Sharon Moore has a way of getting that nasty out of these guys. He's been fantastic. So um, I think that's going to do it for our signing day live show here tonight to wrap things up. As EJ mentioned earlier in the show, he'll be back next week with various shows throughout the week. We will also have a ton of content at the Wolverine.com. We alluded to a few pieces there, superlatives, final takeaways, uh, power ranking the signees on both sides of the ball. That's all coming at the Wolverine.com. If you want premium access, you pay just $10. You get it until next football season. That's August 31st, 2023. So it'll take you through the Nicholas Harbor recruitment. It'll take you through the college football playoffs, spring ball, summer, fall camp, just for $10. Do that now. 
subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the like button on the video. We appreciate everybody watching, all the people listening back, and uh, we'll see everyone next time.